Anyone who learns a foreign language and has to think consciously about the rules of language, unlike kids who just pick it up instinctively, is struck by all the quirks and irregularities that, that, that torment the language learner. So let's take the past tense in English. There are thousands of verbs that uh, obey a simple rule, add ed to form the past tense, walk walked, play played, swallow swallowed, explain explained. But then there are about 165 verbs that form their past tense in other ways. Bring brought, sing sang, cling clung, wind wound, find found, come came, go went. Uh, What's the deal? Why does language have all of these quirks? And it isn't just in the conjugations and declensions, which uh, torment the language learner. They're also in pronunciation. We say obscene uh, obscenity, but we say obese obesity, not obesity. We say the uh, hard hardness, but we say uh, opaque, not opaqueness, but opacity. So we've got all of these exceptions. Uh, why does language have this hybrid structure of elegant, almost mathematical uh, rules, but also these maddening exceptions. Ultimately, I think this comes down to the uh, neurological structures that are uh, behind language and ultimately behind brain function in general. Namely, like any computational system, the uh, mind comes equipped with rules or algorithms or procedures, and those help us deal with an uh, unlimited number of possibilities, including new ones. When a new word enters the language, like to dox, namely to reveal someone's identity by divulging confidential documents, uh, or to sext, to uh, broadcast a, a nude picture of yourself in a text message. We don't have to go to the dictionary to look up the past tense form. We know that it's doxed and uh, sexted. So rules are uh, like the regular rule form the past tense by adding ed are uh, very powerful. On the other hand, we also have to have a huge capacity for memorization. And that's because our vocabulary, the 50 to 100,000 words that we learn, are arbitrary pairings between a sound and a meaning. You can't figure out what the word for dog is going to be just by knowing that it barks and it lifts its leg at fire hydrants. You have to have grown up in an English-speaking community where people refer to that animal with dog and just use brute force memorization. Uh, children are good at ferreting out the rules of language. We can see that in the kinds of errors they make, like we holded the baby rabbits or the paper teared uh, so I sticked it together, where they over-apply the regular rule to the irregular cases, showing that they're not just memorizing what they hear from parents. But kids are also very good at, at memorizing uh, words, and it's thought that a child picks up a new word probably about at a rate of about one an hour from the age of one uh, through adolescence. Now, because you've got these two systems, uh, memory and computation, uh, in terms of language, you might call it um, lexicon, that is the mental dictionary in which we store all of those words that we uh, memorize, and the mental grammar, the algorithm that allows us to combine words in new combinations so we could talk about things that no one has ever heard of before. As when we tell a child the cow jumped over the moon, crazy concept, but kids know exactly what you're talking about when you say that nursery rhyme. Now the fact that we've got these two systems means also that they can kind of compete that there may be some concepts where the rule system can express the concept, like 
something takes place in the past, you uh, express that with the suffix ed, walk walked, or something takes place in the past, you just memorize a chunk. Came means come in the past. Sang means sing in the past. There's nothing that prevents a memory system from swallowing that uh, solution whole and regurgitating it when it's needed next. And because the boundary is contested, does the rule system get to express it? Does the memory system get to express it? You've got languages as the, this pastiche, this hybrid between elegant uh, rule-governed structures and quirky memorized structures. Now, that still raises the question, where did all of those quirky memorized uh, exceptions come from in the first place? And the answer is that language acquisition is never perfect, and we never use exactly the language that we get from our parents and peers. We always make some changes. We slur some words, and other people might copy our slurring just because we're all lazy. We might exaggerate others if everyone keeps saying what, what, what every time we slur something. We invent new coinages uh, when, when the need arises. And as these innovations get introduced into the language, it gradually changes, some of which consist of memorizing uh, for yourself what earlier generations uh, created by a rule. So to give an example, we have uh, a number of irregulars that uh, don't change at all from the present to the past. Uh, today I cut, yesterday I cut, today I put it, yesterday I put it. Uh, others that change the, a D to a T, build, built, send, sent. Historians who go back in the history of the English language find that they, those often used to be regular. There was cutted and putted and builded, but as people swallowed the ends of their words, uh, sometimes people wouldn't hear the second syllable at the end, um, and uh, they would be lazy, they wouldn't pronounce it enough, and so builded would morph into built, and their children would hear it as built and just memorize it that way. An irregular is born. Uh, that can happen not just for swallowing uh, or losing syllables, but for vowels, because we adjust our pronunciation when we add a suffix to the end of something. So if we have, in earlier periods of the English language, sleep might have been uh, sleeped. But when you add an extra little bit to the end of a verb, like that T at the end of sleep, you tend to shorten the vowel to compensate, so the word will fit into the metronome of speech. E, uh, a long E becomes a short E, and then, because of other changes, the sound A be turned into the sound E, and you go from uh, slape, slept, to sleep, slept, another irregular is born. Often it goes in the other direction, where a memorized form will have to cede some of the linguistic territory to the regular side. And in fact, that's the more common occurrence. Old English and Middle English had about twice as many irregular verbs as we have now. The past tense of chide used to be chid. The past tense of help used to be uh, holp. Uh, the past tense of cleave used to be clove. We have a souvenir for, for, uh, of that in, in cloven hooves. Uh, what happens over the generations is that the less frequent forms, and, and words rise and fall in popularity just like any bits of culture, if an because the irregular forms have to be memorized, uh, because they're idiosyncratic, 
if an irregular form starts to decline in frequency, you might have a generation of speakers that sometimes uh, forgets the irregular past tense form. Instead of say, saying clove, they might say cleaved. Kind of the, like the way uh, kids will say uh, hold it instead of uh, held. If they do it often enough and their kids hear it often enough, that's what they'll grow up with and the language uh, that part of the language will change. It'll shift from irregular to regular. Indeed, in uh, an analysis of verbs, find that one of the reasons that the common words in languages are so irregular, seemingly to torture language learners, the words that you use every day, go and come and keep and take and put, are all the ones that where you have to memorize the irregular form. The reason is those are the ones that can survive the generation to generation process of memorization. The ones that are not so common, like, uh, like cleave, like chide, uh, will not be properly memorized as irregulars, will slide into the regular uh, half of the language. So with that process of memory and computation uh, always uh, competing over how to express a meaning, language will always be a mixture of the two. Even rationally designed languages like Esperanto will come to be irregular as children acquire them and memorize things that formerly were generated by rules. And that's why languages are these magnificent combinations of elegant mathematical rules and infuriating but fascinating exceptions.